Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Path 11 podcast today. I am really excited about this podcast. I feel like it is going to be such a refreshing conversation and one that I have not yet had on the Path 11 podcast. My guest today is Diana Richardson, and we are actually going to be talking about mindfulness and sexuality, spiritually and spirituality and sexuality. And we are going to learn the difference between hot sex and cool sex. And cool sex is the name of Diana's book. She is considered one of today's leading authorities on human sexuality. And I have to say that a lot of times when my clients come in, um, some of them are a little embarrassed to talk about sex. And some will actually ask me the question, is it okay if we talk about sex here? And I say, Absolutely. I mean, it is a major part of the human experience. Um, So Diana has previously written seven books on how in practical ways a person can experience a more fulfilling sex and love life. She is born in South Africa and she first qualified as a lawyer and then went on to be a massage therapist. And now here she is writing books and really helping people to get in touch. I feel, um, you know, after I read her book with my own essence, my own spirit in the physical body and merging the two together when I am intimate with my partner. So it's it's fabulous. And I'm so excited to talk to you because we have not... Um, we haven't even touched this issue yet on the Path 11 podcast. And I'm thinking, why not? Here I am thinking like, yeah, you know, I always talk about sex with my clients and people and we're not talking about it on the podcast. So I was so excited uh, when you came across my desk and your information came. I said, yes, we need to talk about this. So welcome. Uh, so sweet, April. And um, thank you very much for your interest and in inviting me. And yes, sex needs to be more talked about. Yes. You know, so it's it's awesome that I can contribute to that with you. Yes. Yeah. So let our listeners know just a little bit more about your background and how you kind of went from being a lawyer to now, you know, talking about sex and mindfulness. Um, you know, it was an organic kind of um, process. You know, I trained as a lawyer, born in apartheid South Africa, wanted to do something that was valuable for the people who are not so privileged and oppressed. But when I actually had completed my law training, you know, I realized there was actually very little that I could do as um, an individual (laughs) in such a difficult uh, country. Anyway, so I decided to go for massage. And I always had a good feeling for touching people and um, massage and so on. And that led to an interest in um, making love, of course. And I just started... uh, personally experimenting. I used some guidelines, you know, from an Australian man called Barry Long and an Indian person, a master called Osho. And these, you know, I just put little suggestions into practice and I was just blown away, like what an impact that made. Um, you know, by being more mindful, being paying more attention to actually what was happening between the bodies, within my own body. So I just, it just kind of, I experimented for many years and um, 
five, six years. And then people started coming to me and asking me about sex, and I found that I could easily talk about it. So one thing kind of led to another. I started teaching. I started uh, writing books. So now I've been teaching couples for 25 years here, basically in Europe, been to Australia as well. Um, so, yeah, very organic, no big goal. And um, so myself, I'm quite surprised to end up in the situation where I am, you know, able to talk about sex in an uh, informed way, can we say, or in another way. Um, so, yes, here I am with you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Wonderful. I'm, I'm really excited to get into our topic today. Now, I know that you've written other books, and this book is actually written for teenagers um, to give them kind of a basis, which I think is really beautiful. One, I think it's really hard for some parents sometimes to even know when is the right time to introduce this topic, this conversation. How do you, you know, talk to your child about it? Some people might wait until they come into adolescence. And I know you wrote this more for like the 14, 15 year olds, but a lot of adults are reading this book and I got a lot out of it and I'm in my forties. So, you know. Um, yes. You know, a younger person can read any of my other books and get something from it, but this was like really more condensed and from a slightly different perspective. Um, that hopefully, you know, suits more the young people's mind. Um, yeah, 14 to 25. But, you know, what I've noticed in my retreats where I have books on display, because it's also in three other languages, German, French, and Spanish, uh, people are now just in English. Um, the adults are reading it, you know, avidly. So, um why is important to to catch people when they're younger? Because the younger, the better, that people get alternative inputs, because then it gives options. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at the moment, the, the style that we have and enjoy is pretty much along one track. Um, so it's to create a balance for that and just give other ideas that um, – then younger ones can grow into. Um, younger ones are a little more fluid in the body. You know, not sometimes there's, you know, through pornography and so on, there's quite strong ideas. But what I've noticed in my retreats uh, for couples, and I've had couples from 18, 19 years old to 80 years old. Wow. And Yes. And the thing is, information actually suits everybody. So yeah. it's not like for young people, it's different to women, it's different to men. So that's why actually all my books essentially have the same material and it's just the perspective that changes. But what I have observed in my, my workshops over the years is that the older one is, the more fixed the psyche is you know, more fixed the ideas or the attachment to a certain style or a certain way of expressing oneself sexually. So, you know, the value of, um, you know, just getting different inputs that one can play with, um, the younger the better, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
All right. So let's um, let's start letting our audience know what is the difference between these two concepts that you have in your book, hot sex and cool sex. I think people may resonate more with the hot sex because that seems to be what is, um, I don't know, given to us in movies. Um, you know, we're kind of very focused, goal oriented, as you say, with hot sex on the orgasm, making sure people reach that climax. Um, and cool sex takes a, a much, much different approach. So I'd like you to be able to tell us the difference between the two. Um, yes. You know, essentially the difference is about sexual temperature. And as you say, our imprinting that we get in many different levels is about raising the temperature. And to raise the temperature, we need to get more and more into sensation and intensity and build it up to the climax, um, which works for some people, but for some people it doesn't work. Um, but so the cool sex is to cool things down, not to immediately, like you said, work for the goal, go for, for the end, but rather to take time to enjoy the process, you know, or the journey. And this requires mindfulness and awareness. And that's what makes it so interesting because the moment we bring, you know, attention, you know, normally we're kind of a bit on our partner, but the moment we come more in and down and anchor ourselves inwardly, then it's more like we're coming from the inside out, connected with ourselves. So that mindfulness or the word I've always used is awareness, um, that changes the act completely. You know, something as simple as that, just paying more attention to what you're doing, how you're doing it. Uh, so this is also creates a lot of slowness, that awareness that being more conscious slows everything down. And then when we slow, things get slower, then we are more in the moment. You know, we're not our, ahead of ourselves. So then real intimacy and connection um, can build up. And the other thing with um, more awareness um, is that ejaculation can be delayed. And this is one of the major obstacles uh, with the hot variety is that it very quickly leads to, to ejaculation. And many, many men and, you know, younger people suffer, and it is a suffering, you know, from premature ejaculation um, because there's this feeling of um, not having performed enough, there's something wrong with them, self-doubt. And then often the other partner, <clears throat> you know, now I'm talking about heterosexuals, but it can be any um, combination. Um, often they're not satisfied you know, especially in the hetero, because women's body takes a little more time to kind of get in the groove. And this is, again, not psychological. It's just how we are. Um, so one can extend um, the sexual exchange for, for a long time if one just stays in the moment, stays present, um, you know, suggest things like scanning the body, softening, because actually if you look in, in the, the hot style, the body gets more and more compressed. And then all our senses get compressed. So what we're looking for is more like a expanded experience because the expanded experiences are the ones that touch us, that leave a, a flavor and a feeling of satisfaction 
within you. So, yeah, if you keep, you know, relaxing the jaw, shoulders, belly, also the, the pelvic floor, the buttocks, all this has an impact on the sexual exchange. And we might think, well, what's your shoulder got to do with your genitals? It's got a lot to do uh, with it. We tend to divide the body in parts. You know, there's this part, that part, that part, but the body in itself is one unity. So any pressure we can take out from different corners, you know, you suddenly can have a good breath. And, and that's another thing, you know, you, you be, pay more attention uh, to the breathing and that also keeps you, you know, more in your body, more in the moment. So it's, it's really, you know, it's not against the hot style. It's more to balance the hot style. And even if one brings awareness into the hot style, that's also going to change that, you right. know. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's this, I think I've said it already, it's not what you do, but how you do it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have so many uh, questions and so many things that I found fascinating, too. Um, but I do want to make a point, and you had made a point earlier, too, that, you know, your experience and uh, how you've written the book is through heterosexual, but that this could be applied um, to any genders that are uh, being intimate with each other. So do you want to talk a little bit about that before I get into my role of questions? <laughs> yes. Look, this is an important um, aspect um, you know, I work from my experience, so that's why I teach hetero. Um, at the same time, many of the principles can be incorporated. Awareness, mindfulness, breathing, um, scanning, softening the body, learning to be more present. So in that sense, um, other gender combinations it, the, the genital specificness might not work, but so it has to be adapted. And but the general principles definitely are a great bonus because it builds intimacy. And often people engage in, in sexual union, but um, afterwards they feel a bit disconnected. You know, after the climax, they get very involved, and then there's a feeling of disconnection. But when you lengthen the whole thing through awareness and uh, you know, more conscious movement, not being so mechanical. This, you know, it, it builds connection. It, it, it builds bonding. Um, whereas actually if we do look often after sex, we feel a bit disconnected. So it kind of heals that, that gap that many people experience afterwards. So yes, April. Um, really valuable for other gender combinations as well yeah yeah, yeah. It's about body awareness and the body is the vehicle regardless of you know how you who your partner is and and this is body awareness is one thing that we are not much educated in yeah. you know and yeah. And speaking about the body awareness, one of the things that comes to mind is one of the diagrams that you had in the book about the positive and negative of, um, you know, the male and female body and where that charges positively and negatively. And, you know, even when you just think about energy, um, you know, in general or batteries, you know, and where you have to plug them in. Um, right. So can you talk about the energetic charges of the positive and the negative aspects of the body? And when I say negative, I don't mean negative, but 
yes. you can yes. explain that. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, it's basically inside our bodies, we have like a magnet, you know, with a positive pole and a negative pole, as you say, not evaluations, but like a magnet. Um, and in the male body, it's different to the female body. So we, you know, the, the, Positive pole is the energy raising pole. So that's where energy is raised from in the body. And in man, the energy raising pole is in the perineum area at the base of the penis. And in women, it's in the breasts. And this is a big shift from what we can say mainstream sex or conventional understanding. Because we consider, you know, for, for women that the clitoris is the center. Of, of female sexuality, but actually this creates more like excitement and uh, tension and wanting to go somewhere. So for women, and, you know, good for men to know that, or, you know, two women partners together, um, that when we start to tune into the breasts, and I don't mean stimulation or titillation, but really start to feel the breasts from inside, this opens up the sexual energy or the body energy, because it's one and the same thing, um, on a much deeper level that then enables the whole um, exchange to be prolonged and more interesting and delightful because there's a real um, energetic connection. And, and so you've got like two magnets, you know, in the hetero case, meeting at opposite ends. And so there can be a circulation between the bodies. But most importantly, and this, you know, it's not so much about what happens between the bodies, but what happens in your body. So that's where, you know, if, if there's same, same sex um, combination, you circulate energy in yourself, and that is important. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Um, the other thing that I found really fascinating when you were kind of talking about the energy within our bodies, that sometimes building up the energy prior to the orgasm and not orgasming, I don't even know if that's a word, orgasming, not having the orgasm, um, that actually it can be more uh, like revitalizing and give you more energy because, you know, and I never thought about it in this way, but you had talked about, and it might've been more on the focus of the male at first, um, you know, the part of the book where like, there's a lot of energy that expels from a man um, when the ejaculation happens and the way that you wrote it and described it to think about all of that power and all of that energy staying within. And you said that you could actually have a lot more energy um, in those experiences, I was like, wow, you know, that's really interesting because, you know, the other thing that came to mind, and I think you touched on it too in the book, is that I think sometimes we can become so over-focused on this goal of reaching this orgasm, like you said, and, and people can get their minds totally just engrossed in that. And like you said, if maybe somebody doesn't reach the orgasm, then the other partner's feeling like I didn't satisfy, or if the other one you know, reaches it too quickly, well, then maybe I failed my partner because, you know, they didn't reach it with me or they're not orgasming together. It's like everyone's so focused on this orgasm. And then to hear it in these terms and thinking about it more of our personal energy that can build and that it can, I think um, I might be getting something that I read 
uh, with yours confused, but like building up within the chakras and kind of bringing the energy up to the crown chakra, that it can be very um, just, you know, revitalizing and bring you so much more energy where a lot of times after people orgasm, they feel exhausted and they want to go to sleep. So <laughs> I was hoping you could uh, go into a little more explanation about what is actually happening if we decide to hold that orgasmic energy in our bodies and not let that come out and um, well then you know it expands through the body so it's like instead of going it's like inverting the energy but what is important um just at the outset to say that it's men if they build up like one a classic way to prolong sex is to build up tension essentially then repress it, build it up, and then repress it. You know, point of no return, back again. But this is actually in the long term not healthy because it creates congestion in the genital area. Um, and then often men will have sore testicles through that method afterwards. So that means congestion. So it's more um, to, you know, have a little movement or excitement, one can say, and then relax. A little and then relax. And then through the relaxation, this inverts and starts to expand through the body. And we don't, when I say we, my partner and I, we don't teach this of trying to raise it in any way. You know, you just let the body do it. Your job is to not leak it out or not let it go, um, you know, to hold it in. Um, but like I say, not, not in a way that is this... Um, building up intensity, repressing. Uh, for women, of course, that doesn't apply um, so much that they will get pain after. But often women do report that even getting, like, intensely excited brings pains into the vagina. So, you know, it's, it's funny when one word uses the, the words relaxation, you know, people think, oh, that sounds ridiculous. But relaxation is not collapse or being dead. You know, it's really kind of being more in the body, um, in and down, we call it, and softening. And then, you know, the body has its own intelligence. So it's a bit we need to give it back to the body because actually this orgasm thing, yes, it's definitely part of reproduction, that's clear, but it's become very much imprinted that that is why we have sex. Right. It's the reason we have sex. So this is what, what's really good to um, break away from that. This is why we're doing it. And it's an option. You can have an orgasm. You can have a peak or not. Um, and if you don't, you know, you definitely will feel really fully alive afterwards. And, you know, this, this bond, this connection uh, stays, not this kind of like um, totally involved and then totally uninvolved and like you say, sleeping and so on. But that, uh, that connection and love that it flows with you. And also you don't have this um, loss of energy that then one has to, for younger people, it's usually easier, but older people, you know, it takes a while for you to get interested in your partner again. Uh, but like this, you you know, you keep the flow going and um, you're more available to have sex sooner. Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, um, you know, the, the best way to move forward is just to a little excitement. Now, normally when we feel excitement, we just keep building and building and building and building on that to the peak. So when things, you know, just when you feel the temperature coming up a little bit, you relax and expand and, you know, engage again and a little excitement and then relax. And then, like I use the word invert, you know, it kind of starts to not just go in one direction, but goes internally. And we don't, I doubt if you'll find in any of my books, um, the word chakra even, I find that it a little gives people a bit too much mind ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, trust the body, contain the energy in a relaxed way, and the energy will do the job. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And if you, and if you're that in touch with it, you can feel where the energy is flowing because there is this pure, you know, like we were talking about the mindfulness, you're just so in the moment with every sensation and every feeling that's happening. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think too, you know, the two words um, that really resonated with me and really understanding the difference of your description between the hot sex and the cool sex is this goal oriented verse connection. And I remember uh, another thing that I thought was pretty interesting was the way that you described when each partner is having their orgasm, it can be selfish isn't the right word. It's um it's where the focus becomes very inward and there's a little bit of this disconnect with your partner because you're focused on your body, you know, reaching that climax. And, um, and I just, I also thought that that was interesting. I wanted you to talk a little bit more about that because I mean, clearly my partner doesn't know what it feels like for my body to go through that, you know, and there is usually some sort of focus that can happen as, um, you know, you're being pleasured and your body is beginning to rise, like you said, in that energy coming to that. And then you become so focused on yourself of having that happen. Um, and so it was really interesting. Again, you just are bringing up these concepts that, you know, I think happen, but we're not really giving any thought or mind to it. And how the cooler sex when you are taking things a lot slower, and you're uh, paying a lot of attention. And if the orgasm happens, great. If it doesn't, if it turns into hot sex, wonderful. But there really is always with when you go into it with the cool sex, it seems like this connection always stays as opposed to just like, jumping in and having this hot sex. So so I was hoping you can talk a little bit about this like internal experience that we're having with that orgasm that might create a little bit of that disconnect with our partner. Well, you know, it's really, you know, as you, um, you know, kind of describe it, everybody gets focused on reaching their goal. So, you know, you go into and, and do what you can to, to raise, raise the energy, to bring it to a peak. Um, when it when there's more mindfulness, also one very good um, thing that is suggested in all my books is to have eye contact. Mm-hmm. Now, usually people close the eyes and kind of go into their own movie, um, or they they make love in the dark. Um, so you know, it's really good to have light and to be able to to um, have eye contact because that keeps you present. You know, especially if fantasy is used. You know, it's very hard. To, to have a fantasy with your eyes open. Right. Um, so in the conventional sense, if, if each of you is going for the climax, you can still do that with the eyes open. 
and you know if there's no fantasy involved and that helps the bonding in in that moment mm. it to be more present to what's happening and it's more of a shared experience you know if if even if only one comes at least it, there's a connection but but with the eyes you know it's um you know, I, I've been teaching this, you know, for 25 years, is more to have what we call a receptive vision, not the outward vision. Now, we tend to look out of our eyes. So that means we're kind of up and out and, and on the other person. Now, when we do that, there's always a bit of judgment and critique involved. Uh, it's just the nature of, of that kind of looking. So I've been teaching inverted vision or soft vision where more, you know, you have this connection in the body and then you let things come to you. So it's more you're receiving through the eyes rather than looking out the eyes. Mm -hmm. And I always use the word, uh, let the eyes be inviting. So that little shift in how one uses the eyes um, makes a huge difference because yeah. if we're like checking each other out, then you feel, you know, bit weird <laughs> right or self-conscious or oh what does my body look like or yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. so basically it's a lot about inverting you know the senses you know through here also the breath um normally in in, in conventional style we breathe very short and uh, shallow so you invert that and start to breathe you know direction solar plexus, belly, direction, genitals. And all this enhances the body awareness and especially the body energy, you know, as, as you were talking about. Right. So it's like we have to enter ourselves on, on, on many different levels. <laughs> yeah. But it really makes it, it's just, uh, it, it, it makes a difference. You feel, you know, actually better as a person, more trusting of your own body, more confidence um, in your in your body and your senses. Um, so it, it, it brings around quite a lot of changes on a personal level, not just in sex. So th then how you move through your life will be more from the inside out. Mm. Not always so like concerned about image or how you look. But it's more when you start to feel your body and gain access um, to like the fine, delicate vibrations in the body, this has a radiance of its own. Mm. And that then also has an impact on the people around you and so on. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things as so I'm reading your book, when I was reading your book, I was reading it as an adult. And then I was thinking about, my gosh, what would it have been like if I was 14, 15, 16, and reading this then? And, you know, I think that the beautiful part of it, it just seems like if we're able to teach people younger and introduce them to this into intimacy, there also seems to be a level of more consent and, you know, if you are this mindful and really 
um, honoring your partner in this way and taking like all of them in, it also makes me wonder if there would be less instances either of rape that happen, um, you know, boundaries not being violated and just this whole thing of consent uh, that's happening because with the cool sex that you are describing and kind of teaching um, people in the book. And again, you know, like you said, the focus was, you know, 15, 14 to, to 25. Um, I just think that it changes the culture. April, that is really such a profound insight because it really is like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for so long, this we've had been in the certain rut or road with sex, which is ultimately not fulfilling. And there's always, you know, wanting it again and again and the same again and again. And then it does lead to, you know, crossing of boundaries because people start to reach for it in other ways or other places and overpowering um, people. It would absolutely change the culture. There is um, no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I remember listening to your TED talk and I laughed a little bit thinking uh, if I was going to say, hey, you know, to some of my friends, you know, have been married for a long time and say, you got to read this book, you got to watch this uh, TED talk. And uh, what I was, why I giggled a little bit, you were like, set three hours aside. And I was like, okay, there's no way my, some of my best friends who are married that have kids are going to have this block of three hours unless they send the kids away. (laughs) You know, they have somebody that's watching them. But you kind of really emphasized about taking things slow and really making this space. Now, you know, with I've done couples therapy, you know, for many years, I'm not doing it so much now. But, um, you know, one of the things that really lacks, I think, with people's intimate connection and what's going on in their relationships is that they're not taking the time. They're not putting the time aside. You know, everyone's like, they almost feel forced to have to take a date night. Like, oh, we have to schedule this in and pencil it in. And, you know, it's like, okay, to actually schedule three hours where you're not going to rush through sex. You're not having it in the closet before the kids come home or if they're downstairs or whatever. But you're really like kind of setting up sacred space and time to allow this to happen. But I know some people would say three hours. What's this woman talking about? There's no way. Do you know what my schedule is like? Um, But but there is something in the way that you describe it of slowing things down, like you said, cooling the temperature and slowing things down. So, um, so all of these things that you're describing can happen that sets and holds the space for this mindfulness and this connection to happen between two people. Yes. Um, you know, if you carve out the time, then you also enter that space more consciously, you know, which then makes it special or sacred or touching. You know, three hours is good, but two hours is also okay. (laughs) But I do think that, um, you know, sex is happening very accidentally. Mm. Essentially, you know, you just like kind of dive on each other in in a little gap or when you're both feeling a bit horny or whatever. Um, but if you if you really, you know, set some time, you have to prioritize because ultimately what you are doing is you're talking about love. Mm-hmm. And w- when you have s- um, make love or have sex with awareness, it actually generates love. And um, 
so it just needs to be given some space because I know parents are, are very hard pressed, you know, with children to find um, time for themselves. But reality is, is that the vibration of love that exists between the parents is food for the children. Mm. So that is so important that the children can feel that love vibration. Children, and I'm, I'm talking about even little babies and, and up to teenagers and so on, they are very, very tuned in to the vibration between the parents. Now, often it turns toxic, a bit of blaming, um, and there are reasons for that. But you know, but then then the children go into fear, and then they start to to shrink. But if they can feel this love vibration between the parents, something deeply relaxes inside the children, and then they become easier to manage. Mm. They more the children are more self-contained because they're in a held space. Um, so one does need to get babysitters. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure that there are some people probably listening thinking, oh my God, how long has it been since I've had sex with my partner and thinking about their children now, you know? And if there is, um, you know, not saying that there needs to be sex all the time, but like you said, there is an energy and a bond that I feel like even if say couples haven't uh, been intimate with one another for a while, but then when that creation happens again, um, I've had couples say, yeah, things just kind of run smoother for a couple of weeks afterwards, you know? So like you said, it's palpable. That energy is palpable. Right. And, and the other thing too, I think when you're saying like set up the space, set up the time, I think it's okay for people to plan their sex in, in an essence. Like it doesn't always have to be spontaneous. Spontaneous can be fun, but um but I remember you saying in the book, like, if you were to tell a man, okay, we're going to have sex, you know, in three days, around eight o'clock, I scheduled the babysitter, you had to mention something like now the man man isn't walking around, you know, all day thinking about when am I going to have sex? When am I going to have sex? And for women, we tend to with the way that our minds work, you know, planning for us works really well, because then that there can be a prepping, we can make ourselves feel beautiful, or maybe we'll pick out a certain outfit. And there's a lot of mental activity that goes into kind of planning for sex for women to, you know, be ready. I'm not saying all but you know, there the way that we think about it, like you said, it takes the bodies, the woman's body a little longer to kind of heat up and and rev up that I think it's okay if it's not spontaneous all the time. And it is something that you set aside specific time for. Um, absolutely. I think it's really important to do that because you say let sex be spontaneous, but actually it's accidental. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's different. Right. Yeah. So, but if you, if you plan it, then you know, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, you know, it's just a much more awareness is brought, you know, like you say, you make yourself beautiful or you make a beautiful space and then you enter it much more consciously. And then this makes a huge, huge difference because that's actually what we're trying to introduce, you know, that is not happening, you know, just maybe, but it is happening. And it brings tremendous relaxation, especially to the man, but also to the woman, because mm -hmm. this is, you know, women's attention as mothers and so on is very spread. 
you know, many, many things to take care of in the environment, you know, the home environment and so on. And so what happens is often this feeling of not feeling connected to the partner because there's no time to be together. It's mm -hmm. all kind of incidental changing over, you know, I mean, whatever is involved, getting kids to school and so on. So it does give a good foundation. You make a date and you you keep the keep to the date. And yeah. Even if you know we we have this kind of strong idea that we have to, you know, feel all excited and horny or whatever to enter sex, but actually, the bodies are are happy to make love. We don't have to wait until we're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good point. And, and it's more often the minds are not so happy with, oh gosh, now I have to make love. But if you lie around and caress and touch and kiss and, you know, have eye contact and very slowly awaken to the thing and, and get, go into it, you just access yourself and the connection on a much, much deeper level. And and it has a, it, it's fulfilling, and I think that's the, the big difference. Because while we might, you know, we've covered this already a little bit before, but while our peak or our climax might be amazing, we never really check how we feel after. Mm. And after is this feeling of sudden disconnection. Usually, you know, of course, we are talking in generalizations. Uh, man goes to sleep, a woman feels a little bit kind of left out the loop kind of thing, or sometimes a bit abandoned or a bit sad. So there are consequences as to how we manage our, our body energy, our, our sexual energy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was also hoping, too, that you can touch upon uh, the myths. You uh highlighted a couple of different myths that some people have and you know you kind of integrated that in and in, in talking about um like you know the men's anatomy and um you know certain things that I, I think what i'm thinking of is like how the man can still enter the woman without having a full erection that you know that doesn't need to be you know maintained uh, all the time and you were kind of giving tips on how that can you know be accomplished and there were a couple of other myths too that you had highlighted in the book and i thought that might be good to talk about as well um yes you know, basically in our kind of imprinting, our understanding is we can only have sex if there is erection. And so this is also why the stress, you know, the performance pressure for man and having to, you know, get an erection. So therefore you need excitement, you need stimulation, you need fantasy, and um, because only then you can enter woman. And then there's a tremendous fear of loss of erection because mm -hmm. that's with impotence or not being man enough. So that's why we, you know, generally speaking, keep all this mechanical movement up to, to maintain the erection. Um, but, you know, it's the penis can relax. Sometimes he can't handle this, uh, all this stimulation. So often the penis will just kind of like withdraw. So there is definitely a possibility that a, a man can enter a woman with a relaxed penis. 
So if if a man can't produce um, an erection, you know, and it, it, even that word produce just shows that it's like man's job to get it together. You know, mm-hmm. women we can help, but ultimately is his. And there is a tremendous um, prevalence of, of erectile dysfunction, and it's coming down, 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 down into the younger uh, people also. Um, so then comes a lot of self-doubt and, you know, many kind of personal complexes and so on. But if we just understand, that, you know, that this is an organ that has – it's highly intelligent – and the more we can just let it relax and take the pressure off it, then it can start to respond in more organic ways. So, yes, there is this possibility to, um, you know, it, it takes a little practice, but the woman can put the man in in soft. You know, we always suggest lubrication um, anyway. Um, and then, of course, it is a slightly different experience. You know, because it's not intense, it requires one to bring the awareness down to a more fine level, but that is very nourishing. Hmm. And, you know, one can actually be like this, I say soft, but that's an evaluation. I, I prefer, you know, with a soft penis, I prefer to say a relaxed penis. You can lie like that for a long time and it's very nice. You know, sometimes the psyche is not so happy. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's psyche that's kind of the problem. Our minds are a bit of the problem. Um, but also, you know, where when in the hetero case, when there's this genital union uh, in a relaxed way, and, and the couple are stay present and breathe and have eye contact, or you can even, you know, communicate what you're feeling. Not so much on a you know more on a sensory level, like. Uh, delicate vibrations and when a couple is really truly present then it's it's really like a miracle that the penis will i don't want to create expectations or anything but it is a a reality that happens between male and female and um, genitals that the the penis starts to rise of its own accord and i do this movement because it's like a snake it winds its way up into the vagina um and it stays you know provided you are present Mm. so it doesn't require any you know mechanical movement or maintaining the level of sensation so there's many you know things like you say myths you know that get de uh, broken down which is incredibly relaxing you know in the long run another myth is this size of penis and size of breasts (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's all nonsense, basically. You know, if you're thinking just of heat and sensation, then maybe it makes a difference. In my experience, it, it, it doesn't. But if you really come down to um, the sensitivity and the senses and working on the senses, it's how alive you are to yourself that makes a difference. You know, and the, uh, this emphasis on big breasts, um you know, that's just from the outside. So there's this whole breast enhancement um, culture. But can you feel them from the inside? That is what is going to make a difference, not just that they are large from the outside. You know, so I know some women with small breasts um, think, oh, you know, I'm not really a woman, but it's it's not like that. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, do you have the capacity to enter that part of your body and, you know, open to that part? And then that then opens your body energy. So, yeah. Yeah, and you gave a great um, a great little kind of meditation for people to do in the book. I'm not going to give that away because I want them to get the book. Um, my other thought, too, uh, is I bet that there are probably people who have read your book. They've listened to your talks. They might listen to this podcast and they might be saying, well, my gosh, how do I introduce this to my partner? How do I introduce this concept? Um, I want to try this, but how do I actually explain it and, you know, initiate this type of conversation? So can you give anybody any, any bit of help or tips to open up this conversation to their partner? It, it it can be difficult, you know, in the sense that one person is very fixed in how they like to have it. Um, but, you know, we just have to talk from our hearts and um, share that you want to experiment and how about a little adventure and also to realize that, you know, every time we have sex is pretty much the same way every time. Um and it's good to, you know, if there is an openness to actually study some material uh, together, read a book together or watch a TED talk together and just be adventurous. I mean, we're not very adventurous with sex and that's a reality. Uh, you know, we want to have the same thing every time. And as soon as one starts to appreciate, ah, oh, these little tweaks in the whole picture have an impact on what I feel how I feel afterwards, how I feel about my partner. So, yeah, I mean, I wish there was like a little button that we could all, you know, a little switch we could flick and just everybody would be open to the idea. But um, not everybody is, and I, and I find that a shame. Like I say, we, we, we're not very adventurous. You know, we, we're happy to do all kinds of adventurous things. Um bungee jumping and paragliding and rafting and but are we open to actually see how we cruise together you know in sex one one thing is for sure is that if one partner starts to be a little bit more present starts to be a little bit more conscious it often I can't guarantee it, will have an impact on the other partner. And that's one of the kind of the alchemies of awareness of consciousness. That if I suddenly, you know, don't rush for my orgasm, I stay more present, that will slow the other person down. So that's the other way that if there's one partner who's really interested and the other one not, then just in little ways, you know, soften your body, breathe more deeply, be more present and yeah, like I say, there's this alchemy that if one person is more present, then it creates and um, it, it draws the other one, you know, into the moment. So, yeah, but I mean, the best is really to, you know, to try and just find the spirit of adventure and curiosity, because that's actually the only reason I'm sitting here today with you was, was curiosity. You know, one thing, one thing led to another um, and try to read some information, you know, so that you both, I don't say the word functioning, but operating or, or moving ahead in, in a slightly informed way. 
Yes. And also, you know, no, it's also a thing of expectation management. You know, mm-hmm. we, we make a change and we suddenly want it to be amazing. Well, it's not going to be like that. You know, so if you come in with your expectations, that already blows blows the story. So, you know, essentially what it is is to becoming more innocent. So we have lost sexual innocence. In other words, this playful, more childlike, and I don't mean children, I mean just innocent. Um, yeah, with no expectations, just more simple. And and definitely through through teaching couples so long, I see how how that that works and how people just feel more more themselves because they're not pretending, they're not projecting, they're not trying to be a great lover. You know, they they just being human, yeah. right? Just more more simple. And and I think the word innocence um, really, you know, wraps it up because. With all the movies and the pornography and also the fact that sex is kept very much under the carpet, like you said in the beginning, you know, some parents don't know how to raise it, the subject with their with their young ones, or, you know, what I've heard, I don't have children and that was a conscious choice. Um, children don't even want to imagine that their parents are having sex. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, if we if we just bring it down to a more innocent human level of exploration and just, you know, like we might learn basketball or, you know, and that's something that I wanted to say earlier was that, you know, all our education is in the mind and when it is the body, it's usually gymnastics or some kind of a sport, but not really how to stand. Most people stand really badly. Most people walk really badly. Most people sit badly, you know, so if I'm just collapsed there with my, you know, like this, of course I'm going to feel lousy. But the minute I kind of, you know, come into my center, get it, you know, feel my spine and, ah, you know, you're suddenly more present, you feel better in your body. So we're not taught these, you know, in schools or as children, how to be more conscious in the body. Everything we do is a little bit mechanical. So naturally in sex, we're going to be mechanical. Mm-hmm. You know, we clean our teeth, but if you start to feel, it changes the whole thing. You know, or you're cooking and you're stirring like this, but if you, you know, really start to stir um, with, with awareness, you're just more in the present. Well, thank you, Diana. This really was such a refreshing conversation. I'm so glad we finally talked about sex on the Path 11 podcast. So can you um, let our listeners know where they can find more information about you, your website and uh, your books? Yes, please. Um, Most of my books are are available on Amazon. I'll just show you the cover of the cool sex book. Sure. Yeah. It's this. And actually, I co-authored it with a girlfriend um, because she had young people. I didn't have, have young people, so she came to one of my seminars and she wanted to write a book. So we kind of um, did that together. Um, my website is www.livinglove.com, livinglove.com. And there you'll see, you know, all the books. Some are translated into other languages, German, French, Spanish, Russian, and so on. But, yeah, so, look, April, it's been lovely. 
Same here. Thank you so much. Thank you for your beautiful um, insights and questions. This really was a great contribution. Great. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Share it, share it, share it with people, share it with your partners. Um, And I hope all of you are going to try some cool sex after you hear this podcast. So take care, everyone. Okay. And if I could just say, if you want to watch the TED Talk, it's called The Power of Mindful Sex. And that gives you, you know, in 17 minutes, quite a little bit of input and things to play with. Great. We'll put that in the show notes as well for people. Okay, super. Thank okay. You. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, yeah. You too. Ta-cha. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that show. And don't forget to head on over to path11tv.com. Grab your annual membership for $59. Remember, that is 40% off the regular price. So I really want you to take advantage of our launch deal of $59. You get over 75 hours of content that we have on there. So head on over to path11tv.com. Take advantage of the annual membership. All right, guys, take care.